behind home plate. We bringing it to him all day. All day. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Birdland. Win or lose, we bringing it to you always. always. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Orange or black, we rebuild the pack. No matter where we at, you know we coming back. Section 336, we on this, so tune in. Tune in. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Birdland. You know what's up? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, Next Generation of Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the zi- by the button lover, Josh Sroka. <laughs> That's awkward. No, I just, on, like, we to, just, had a I just whole... like to troll our, yeah. our coconuts out there a little bit. Oh, man, that... Forget questions coming in about Chris Davis and if he's real. The, it, right behind those are the questions of where's Burt Rohde? Yeah. No one cared about Burt when he was here. He disappears for six months and everyone's asking. No, everyone. I mean, Burt was the ultimate coconut. Uh, yeah. was like I'm going to refer to him in the past tense for now on. Burt was the ultimate coconut. No, right. pe- people whole, love it, it, our it, show is missing zaniness uh, right. without Burt. So if you're wondering, Burt will be back uh with section 336 probably opening day he'll, he'll be coming back i think you know we okay. launched new we launched new artwork this week and it's just you and me matt mm. and i think that freaked everyone out mm. but bert is in quarantine for the coronavirus he's locked himself in the basement until it all passes well the ironic thing is josh you can record this podcast from the basement so <laughs> as you and i sounds just like are, an excuse as I am locked in my closet as we as we do the podcast. Uh, no, Bert just is taking a break. Yeah. So he'll be back occasionally. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've, been, we've been doing this thing for what, however many years um, without whatever, without, without becoming rich, without making money off uh, it, just kind of doing this thing every week. And every now and then, yeah, you need a break from it. And it right, doesn't help right. that the team you're covering stinks too. Right. Uh, yeah, and that, that definitely helps. But yeah, Bert stuck with him for seven years, and he's taking a break. We'll see how much he comes back. And uh, think of him as your standard Oriole fan. You realize the Orioles suck, you stop going to games, you disappear. We'll see you in 2023. Yeah, I'm sure he can still be found at his local Costco if you're looking for him. No, but just set, set you can send him a tweet every now and then. And, and and tell them uh tell yeah. them to come back on the show i mean we 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 parted we haven't parted we're still brother-in-laws right so there's that factor he's yep. part of our family can't can't get rid, rid, rid can't get rid of him like that uh but no he's still he's still part part of section three, 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 six, and he's welcome to come on whenever he wants to right just taking some time and uh it's cool we're gonna continue like the uh diehard oreo fans i'll probably drop off at some point around 2022 and then Josh would be here by himself. So it's just, I mean, uh, it's just how we think, think of this as just an extended summer vacation. Bert would always disappear in July, and he's still gone. He's at Pirates of the Caribbean or something. Right. So uh, he'll be back at another time. You know who else? You know who I spoke to today? Who'd you speak to? Another former 336er. Who's that? The world's worst intern. Oh, tough day for the intern today. Tough day. Nah, intern's pretty excited. Is he? So intern was working on uh, how do you say Amy Amy Klobuchar? Klobuchar, yeah. Klobuchar. Work, he was working on her campaign, and uh, today I guess she 
decided she's not going to run anymore. What's the term? Will you drop out of the race? I guess she just dropped out of the race. Yeah. So I texted him, see how it was going. And he was in good spirits. He's like, I'm tired of working for that lady anyway. So he is, he is, he believes he is going to be on the Biden campaign shortly. Buttigieg and Klobuchar both are jumping ship to Biden. Yeah. Which this is not a political show. But this is um, Take Down Bernie 2.0. <laughs> it, is. Just it is. Take Down Bernie. Stuff, which is um, hilarious. And also, like, if I'm a Bernie supporter, I'm pretty ticked off right now. But right. from a guy who's not really invested in either candidate, I just find it a little bit funny. <laughs> it is. It's funny. It's funny to see the old man who's got the big lead that they're like, all right. We gotta we gotta bail out just to just we all to take join forces. Out. It's like yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like when the, the the Power Rangers all combine to do some kind of you know, whatever the power range that's a bad I've never really seen the Power Rangers. It's like or like when all of baseball comes together to say we're just gonna take down the Astros one bean ball at a time. Yeah, exactly. Except Bernie Sanders, he didn't cheat or anything. He's just trying going out there trying to be president. Uh, and the Astros are are cheaters. Um, but <laughs> yeah. no, we have we have a good show for you today. We're going to talk later. We got a guest to to guest Mark Simon, uh, who's uh, who's who's a, a stat geek, and I use that I mean that yeah. term in the best way. He's is in analytics. He's part of um, Bill James Sport. Bill James's uh, Sports uh, Info Solutions. Sports Info Solutions. Um, his the, business, what is it? Uh, the defensive almanac? No, defensive bible. Yeah, defensive bible. He's he's co-authored it, and um, yeah, he made a lot of innovations on the defensive run saved yeah. stats. So we're going to ask him about defensive runs saved for the Orioles, right. and ask um, him about Alberto Hanser Alberto. I was going to yeah. say Alberto Hanser. Yeah, Hanser Alberto, it? because he his stats a little weird in this book. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that as well. Um, Josh, uh, spring training updates. Are you are you on board with me on the Davis Express? You on board, Davis? Well, first of all, you were on the Hess Express, and I, last I time, on the Hess Express. What's the Davis one? Last time I saw Hess Hess Express had a, had a, had a bit of a glitch. Uh, his, his last start. Yeah, yeah. Don't, that's all right. It's spring training. Doesn't matter. Spring training stats don't matter yeah, when you yeah. stop. But yeah. when you're awesome, when you yeah. when you can't strike out anymore, and all you do is hit home runs and walk, then I'm all on on the deputy. Yeah, Josh, we got to talk about this Chris Davis thing. I can't even – I literally can't even watch a Chris Davis interview or even read the quotes from a Chris Davis interview because it's so – oh, it makes me cringe so much. I know what's happening, and I just – every interview, he's so – I saw – if you go to Orioles.com, yeah. right on their front page, you just scroll down a little bit, like midway through, there's an interview with Chris Davis, and they're talking about, like, his improvements and how he got back to form. He's played in like four spring training games and people are acting like he's a comeback player of the year. And the, and the problem is fans can flip out. Media can flip out. That's all fine. Chris Davis, I think he believes it. And so now, I'm really nervous. This when isn't going to end well, Josh. When was the last time Chris Davis went one game without striking out? He's gone four. Okay. Like he's got to celebrate this and you got to believe the hype. And he's believing his own hype. And what's going to happen so, when Chris Davis goes 0 for 8? All right. Five strikeouts. Remember when we were kids and Mickey Tettleton believed all of his power came from Fruit Loops? And you had to just believe it. You took the boxes of Fruit Loops and you shook them around in the stadium and you had to just celebrate and buy in to 
Fruit Loops, give Mickey Kettle some power. Sorry, those 25 pounds of muscle that Davis has on and the nutrition of him eating healthy, you got to buy in. You got to believe it. It's a Think of how much we talk about this game is mentally. And we knew watching Chris Davis that mentally he was not there when he was going to the plate. Who cares if you think it's crap that it's nutrition? Mentally, he is in tune, he is confident, and it's working right now. Through a handful of spring training games. Josh, if this was 2017 and he's coming off of one bad year, I would say, you know, you, you might have a point here. He's been bad since 2016. I know. 2016, 17, 18, 19, four years of being one of the worst players in baseball. Um, and you have a sample size of a handful of spring training games and you're back on uh, the, the I'm all in. I'm, I'm all in on Chris Davis for two reasons. He looks amazing. He looks like a younger Chris Davis. And two, I totally believe the nutrition thing. Because I don't know. And you should be on board, too, because I think your wife's into this stuff, too, just like my wife, where what you eat, what your kids eat, changes their attitude, changes how they feel throughout the day, changes their focus and their energy. And if you eat healthy, it like changes your lifestyle. So I'm all in on if Davis's nutrition is better, he can focus better at the plate and all that can help out. I'm all in on it. Oh, my gosh, Josh. I wish you were... You were a betting man, so I could just steal all your money right now. There is no what are you way. Talking about? I, I am a betting man, just like you. We lost all our money on the Ravens. Yeah, and I haven't gotten back into the betting business. I've retired from the betting uh, business. You throw out a Chris Davis bet, I'm all in. Oh, Josh, I will steal your money. I will, right, And you can even set the parameters. Over or under right, batting week. average of 250. Oh, over. Wait, okay. 250? What was he last year? Like 162. Uh, Josh, he wishes. How about 230? You give me 230, I'll go over 230. Done. He hasn't hit over right, 230 since 2015. Done. Yeah, I'll give you 230. All right, what's the, what's the, uh, home runs? The... So, oh, no. You oh. want to go bat average or you want to go home runs? No, it's both of them. We're going home runs too because he's a power hitter. All right, fine. Last fine. year uh, he had 12, the year before he had 16, the year before he had 26. All right, so what are you giving me this year? Home runs? Yeah. 230 batting average. What's the, what's the over-under for home runs? Uh, Chris, you, th- you think Chris Davis is back? I think Chris Davis is back. Okay. Well, you think Chris Davis is back, and you're saying over you, you want to go over-under 230. If he hits 240, Chris Davis is not back, by the way, but okay. Um, no, I, I'm, no, I'm setting the limit at a reasonable limit because we're about to bet on it. Yeah. So uh, that's what, what if, I'm what if over I said under. to you. What if I said to you, 30 home runs? 30 home runs. hitting, weight room, I'm pumped up. I'm leading the spring right. training home runs after five games. So, so uh, the bet is 30 home over, runs. so the bet is over or under. I take the over, you take the under. 230 batting average and 30 home runs. Yeah, I'll even make it 29. So if he gets to 30, that pretty 30 number, you win. I'm, I'm all in. Fine, okay. I'll take that bet. What's okay. the parameters? What are we betting here? I don't know. We'll have to think about this. I, I don't like doing right. any bets live on the air. We'll have to think right, about tweet it. Tweet us what, what you think we should be betting on this. But I'm writing this down. 230 slash 29. That's our over-under. Yeah. All right. And for All someone right, to win, you got to hit both those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hit both those numbers. All right. All right. All right. I'm all in on that. We'll figure it out next week. 
Okay, because trust I think me, you're going to want to lock this in early because you think it's going to fall apart in spring training. Yeah, I think he could retire by June. I think this could be he could fall. I think it's, he is so excited now. I just hate to watch it because I love, so it. love it. Love he's it. He's so like he like thinks he's rejuvenated his career and he has eight official at bats. <laughs> he like, could be. Yeah, who knows? But uh, uh, yeah, I know because I know what happened the last four years. <laughs> I know. We'll see. We'll work this bet out. We'll set it all up next week. All right. Um, other news out of spring training, just if, if anyone cares, they did go through their first uh, series of cuts. Um, I think the there wasn't any anything no, notable except Bradley no, Rushman was not on the first cut list. Yeah. Don't you think that's just because they have so many pitchers? They need more catchers. Yeah, I do, actually. And by cut, I just mean – I don't mean cut. That's a bad word. I mean reassigned. So Ryland Banning, Malquin Canelo – Zach Lothar, Mason McCoy, and and Alexander, not Alex, Alexander, Alexander Wells. Um, I was waiting for the first name change. So there it is. Alex went from Alex to Alexander. First name change. Right. Um, Alexander Wells uh, were all sent to minor league camp. Um, so no real big surprises there. I think we all expected um, those guys to start either at AA or AAA to start the season. Yep. Um, were you excited to see JJ Hardy back in camp? Uh, not as, as much as Chris Davis was. I saw Chris Davis sent out like his first tweet in three years, just a hug of him. <laughs> hugging. That's how you know Chris Davis is so excited too. Like Chris Davis is like tweeting again. Because he, 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 he can, can log on Twitter. Like, four years. He's yeah, back he can on Twitter because he thinks everything's good again. Him. Oh my gosh, Chris. Oh Love man. It. Hey, friend of like, the show, I've resisted tweeting, uh, sending, sending Chris a private message. Telling yeah, him please. how much I love him. Okay. Yeah, please don't. Um, uh, other, I mean, again, when we talk about at-bats, um, the most at-bats anyone has on the team so far is Ryan Mackhouse at 20. And Ryan Mackhouse, by the way, pretty impressive, batting 350, has seven hits and three doubles in those 20 at-bats, along with a home run. Um, any chance if Ryan Mackhouse continues this and hits like 350 to 400, Spring yep. training. Any any chance to consider bringing Ryan Mountcastle up? Yeah, completely. Really, he, you think he, he can he make the open day roster? I think he has a great shot at making the open day roster because I don't think they see him as a long term play on this team. Ryan, I think he's a, I think Ryan Mountcastle is still a guy that they're not sure about position wise, but if his bat can play, they're going to put him at, up there. And because why not bring him up this year when it doesn't matter and he can suck defensively. And we can try him out in different positions. I think they're going to, at the very minimum, manipulate service time and hold him down till May. And I think, I don't know, like I'm not optimistic that they'll call him up in May unless he's tearing the cover off the ball. Because it seems like, and again, like I told you last week, one of the things to watch with this team is where they play people defensively. And it right. seems like they're, they're trying to make Ryan Mankhouse a left fielder. Um and if his offense is good enough, then it's okay that he's not great in the outfield as long as he can be Trey Mancini okay. And so we'll see if he can do that. But I think they would prefer him to have some time playing left field every day before he's caught up. But if he continues to hit the cover off the ball, um, still like no walks, right? That's the whole other thing with Ryan yeah. Backhouse. The man doesn't walk. So maybe I think they also want him to work on that, um, maybe seeing more pitches and stuff. But man, I think Ryan Mountcastle has a, a really bright future, and I'm I'm pumped about an, an offense that includes 
Trey Mancini and Ryan Mackhouse and Austin and Hayes. I think when you look at July, we could have a pretty good offense. Sure. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, the other thing that, that stuck out to me, um, as far as playing-wise, I mean, I think maybe next week we can get into some of the utility battles because there is a utility battle. I want to see more at-bats, though. And same with, I know we're talking about we need a fourth and fifth starter, maybe even a third starter. But, again, I want to see some more um, – I want to see some more innings pitch before we get into kind of who's winning that contest. But I yeah. was impressed, just kind of first initial observations. I didn't realize Yusniel Diaz, my first impression was him, um, was seeing him um, at, at, in, in spring training um, last year and just um, connect on a ball and just crush it, right? He's got big arms and just has a sweet swing and the ball flies off his bat. Um, in the game today, he had a triple, and the triple was not just like this lazy ball that you know landed in the gap. I mean, it was a line drive in the gap, and Yuzan Diaz he flew around the bases, and he's a very fast baseball player. I mean, he's not a great at stealing bases. He only had twelve last year and got caught, I think, something like thirteen times. But he is fast. So Yuzan Diaz, I didn't realize how fast he was. So that kind of has me excited too about um, if he can, you know, if he can hit as well as we think he can. He's a former top 100 prospect guy, right? He's a big guy we got back from Manny Machado. Yeah. He's going to start in AAA. If he can stay healthy and kind of, um, you know, start to hit the ball, I think it could be a really good um, defensive and just all around, you know, baseball player for this team. So using Diaz, I mean, he's also one of those guys though, like for me, he reeks of like Jeffrey Hammonds type thing. Like, Seems to have all the tools, um, can hit, can hit for a little bit of power, fast, good arm, but can he stay healthy? So that's that's my only concern with using Diaz. But I'm I'm pretty excited about him too. Um, an outfield with him and Austin Hayes. Throw Ryan Mountcastle in there. Move Trey Mancini to first base when you move Chris Davis to the bench. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Except for the Chris Davis to the bench, I mean, <laughs> sure, glad that why would been. you want to? Why would you want to put such a guy <laughs> who's just crushing the ball yeah. and uh, a comeback story of the year, and you're going to put him on your bench? Yeah, um, big in there. Anything? Have you learned anything from the Orioles pitching this spring training? Like I know they said Cobb went out and pitched some simulated innings and looked good, but that's simulated. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I guess as far as this. With the 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 thing you don't want, and we saw we see this happen with the Yankees with Severino and stuff, is um, injury. You just want to avoid injuries. And so I thought Means has looked fine. He looks healthy. I think that's the most important part. Um, you mentioned um, Cobb, and Cobb had that uh, one appearance, I think, for one inning, and then he had the flu, so he had to stop. It's a simulating game, so he looks fine. I mean, it's tough because no one's pitched more than like two outings. So no one's pitched more than four or five innings. Right. So like, it's tough to draw any conclusion based on five innings. But yeah. there doesn't seem to be any major injuries with our pitchers um, besides small minor stuff like blisters and flus. Right. So, no arm issues. Yeah, yeah no like we issues. saw we saw Wojo today go three innings and he looked pretty good. Saw Hunter Harvey and the fastball was working. So it's like Yeah, Hunter Harvey looked good. Yeah, and so all these guys look, look healthy. Right, um, and look fine. but nothing yeah. that helps us figure out the rotation. 
Yeah, like there's no one going in there throwing 99 that we didn't think that we thought could only throw 90, not, not, not 92. Like everyone's, you know, they are who we thought they were so far. Um, yeah. And everyone's kind of stayed healthy. So we'll see. Like I said, I, you can't, I don't think you can draw any conclusions about who's going to get the fourth or fifth spot after five innings or four innings. So we'll revisit this in a couple weeks because right. you, we got to the point now, the first start you throw two innings, right? Then the next start you might throw three innings. And then well, like they got five. Yeah. They gotta start dumping pitchers so that so that there's more room for pitchers. It's hard to to look at them all right now and get them all into plays. So we we've got three weeks left of spring training. So today we saw those couple cuts. I think you're gonna start to see give it by the end of this week, you're gonna see a larger cut and then they're gonna start coming fast. Yeah. I mean today I was I was listening to two of the game on the radio. Um and it ended up in a, in, a, in a tie, and we had Shepard who was ready to go on our uh, our bullpen, but they just stopped it as a tie. So three, right. three, three yeah, ties. Because the Rays used a ton of pitchers today. Well, yeah, I think our our announcers. I don't know how much to trust Jeff Arnold at this point because I don't know Jeff Arnold like that. But Jeff Arnold said they, that they saw a pitcher too. Okay, all right. I don't know. Uh, spring training is always weird on when they decide to tie or not. I thought today's radio game was supposed to be the the new girl broadcasting. Yeah, she was uh, alongside Jeff Arnold. Okay. All right. How'd that combo sound? Uh, it sounded really good, actually. Okay. It'll yeah, be interesting. Good, good, good for, for, for a girl? Is that what you're going to say? No, no. I was going to say uh, for their first – for hearing them for their first time. Gotcha. Um, I've never heard Jeff Arnold before really call, call a game like that. Um, and and what is her name, Josh? I, can, can we mention her name? What's her name? Yeah, yeah, we can mention her name. I just don't know it off the top of my head. And right. now you're going yeah. I don't I don't have the or the problem is the Orioles broadcast team is like thirty five people. Did you see they added Brett Hollander uh this week as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was, he was interviewed, I guess, in today's game. And he's like the exciting thing about um the excite the exciting thing about this opportunity is I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff. I'm going to be um, calling games. Like I'm going to be a sideline reporter. I'm going to be doing the post game stuff. So it sounds like nobody knows what anyone's doing. Right. Like I feel like the Orioles just need to launch their own podcast network because they have 50 hosts. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's an interest. And like none of them have a, a, a set plan uh, by, by the name. Her, by the way, I'm sorry. Her name is Melanie, Melanie. Newman. Yeah. Yeah, um, and she became becomes the first woman to call Orioles play by play. So that, that's that's a really cool thing. And yeah, she sounded. And again, I didn't listen to the whole game. But I listened to some of it, um, and I, I thought Jeff Arnold and her did did a really good job. And um, like they said, we now have a four game. Um, what can we say? Not a winning streak, but a four game unbeaten streak. Can we say that? I mean, you can say whatever you want. Because we won yeah. three in a row and then we tied one. Okay, sure. A yeah, sure. A a loss, like no loss. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you would call that. Yeah, well, we haven't been beaten, uh, you know, four games. Right. Yeah. Um, I did see, I did see the Orioles tried to put out on their Twitter today, like the stats of what they've done and like. 39 runs, 59 hits in like four games or something. 
You yeah, see that yeah. post that the Orioles did? No, but and, they've been really good offensively recently. Yeah. yeah. The, Ray, the Rays commented on their post saying the games don't count. Yeah. They're, 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 they're not wrong. Right. Um, they're not wrong, but let's enjoy what we can. Yeah. We're, yeah. It's exactly right. Well, we'll take what we can get. I thought the just Orioles Twitter, um, they're, they're coming out with a lot of videos too. And I thought they've been really good about their video content too. This is, I think, the best Orioles Twitter has been for spring training ever. Yeah, I'll take so that. I'm not ready yeah. to say Chris Davis is back, but I'm ready to say Orioles Twitter is back. Yeah, and it's nice to see stuff that's not just, this guy looks fat. Yeah, though I did see that the Cubs, I don't know who did this, but Chris, um, no, Anthony Rizzo was mic'd up talking as he was hitting. And he was like, I bet he's going to throw me a fastball here. Guy threw him a fastball and he hit it. I want right. to see our guys mic'd up. I want Chris I Davis mic'd, mic'd up. up. I want everybody mic'd up. Just Chris Davis. All right, well, Chris Davis, I would take Chris Davis mic'd up. I want everyone I wonder what he's up. thinking when he's up there. Yeah. He's he's thinking I'm going to crush this ball. Yeah. Well. So. Uh, are you ready to get to this interview? Yeah, let's get – let's uh, we got to get this commercial in. Let's take the commercial, and we'll come right back with uh, Mark. All right, let's do it. Hey, guys. We'll get back to some O's talk in just a moment. But I want to talk to you about Podcorn. They're sponsoring this episode. As you guys know, I work with a lot of Baltimore sports podcasts through my little company, Birdland Sports. We work with Section 336, Film Study, uh, and a whole lot more that are coming out this season as well. But Podcorn is this amazing thing. If you're doing a podcast, you got to check out podcorn.com. You've heard me talk about it before. And I want to share just a little bit more about it. Podcorn is a marketplace to connect podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities for such as host read ads like this or interview segments, topical discussions that may fit with your uh, fans and more. With Podcorn, there's no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can borrow and choose opportunities right on the platform with their own rates. They collaborate with fans directly. So you find just the right deals you want to advertise for not uh, audible not random podcasts uh, ads that you've never heard of these are brands that you are going to be interested in that your listeners are going to be interested in you choose who advertises on your show so click the link in my show notes to get started and sign up for podcorn get online start browsing your sponsorship opportunities let's get back to some orioles talk and get ready for opening day all right we're back with a special interview uh, welcome to the show now is Mark Simon, who is from Sports Info Solution. If you haven't heard of them, they came up with the whole stat of defensive runs saved. So it's another stat to add in with all these analytics and a great time to look at the Orioles as you're going to watch for something this season. And if you look up defensive uh, runs saved for the past few years, the Orioles have been setting records for being so bad <laughs> and how bad they are. So, Mark, welcome to the to Section Three Thirty Six. Hi, thanks for having me. Good to hear an, an Orioles podcast. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a couple of them out there, and uh, glad that glad that you're here. This is yeah. the best one. Yeah, we are the best. Um, Josh, thank you for introducing Mark. I'll take it over from here. Josh, sit back, relax. Mark, first of all, um, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And I, I know you're with Sports Info Solution, but what's a little bit about your background and how you got into the analytics and stuff like that? 
Sure. Uh, I, before I was at Sports Info Solutions, uh, which is based in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, I worked uh, in two places. One is uh, for the Trenton Times newspaper in Trenton, New Jersey. I was a reporter there for six and a half years covering all sorts of uh, sports. Uh, from there, I moved on to ESPN. I worked at ESPN for 15 years with the Stats and Information Group, uh, which is the people that work behind the scenes. If you watched Stump the Schwab, Howie Schwab, mm, uh, sure. one of us, uh, Chris Felica, who's the bear, uh, who shows up on a lot of the different uh, ESPN shows, including College Game Day. Uh, these are the people that are helping out the talent and the production crew with all of the information that you see on the show. And I worked on Baseball Tonight for nine years. And during that time, I was there in a transition period from where I think ESPN went from shows that did a lot with fun facts and tidbits and historical-based stats to things that are more analytic in nature. Mm -hmm. and when I was working on Baseball Tonight within the Stats and Information group, I was kind of asked to lead the charge on that with uh, other people in my group doing that for their respective shows. Uh, fortunately, I had a background in that from... When I was a kid, um, my parents used to buy me, because I was good at math and because I couldn't play sports, uh, they used to buy me a lot of books. And one of the books they bought me was the Bill James Baseball Abstract, mm. which is kind of uh, the precursor to Moneyball and all of the things that followed there. Uh, and I got into that stuff then. It rekindled in me uh, in my time at, on Baseball Tonight. I was the person who was explaining the, uh, defensive stats to Aaron Boone and to the, uh, the other uh, members of the Baseball Tonight on-air team, uh, which was pretty cool to do. Uh, from there, you might have noticed ESPN's baseball coverage kind of declined a little bit uh, in terms of volume. Uh, I like working in baseball. I like working on baseball. Uh, so I made the transition to work for this company, which had worked with ESPN on baseball in the past. Sports Info Solutions, they service uh, more than two-thirds of the major league teams uh, and a few NFL teams as well with analytic data and analytic tools that allow them to make better decisions for game strategy and for player personnel decisions. Uh, and one of the stats that we invented was defensive runs saved. Uh, we are also people who were at the forefront of the shifts uh, movement, which uh, our company is owned by John Dewan, uh, who is a pioneer in the sports statistics field. He used to own Stats Inc. Um, and he has written four of the fielding Bibles. Uh, and now we have a fifth. Fielding Bible Volume 5, you see it in reverse there. Uh, it is out now, uh, and I'm happy to talk about it with you guys and uh, talk some Orioles baseball as well. It's kind of, I guess that's the path that got me to this point. Right, so the Fielding Bible Volume 5 is up on Amazon now. It's on back order until March 13th, so you might want to hop on there and order it now in order to get it before opening day. You can also go to actasports.com. That's the publisher. Uh, it'll probably cost you a similar amount. Uh, it's worth checking out. Just to, to kind of set the tone here, this is a baseball book that I really feel is for everyone. Uh, you can be a hardcore, super intense analytics, uh, I don't want to say nerd because I, I think that's disparaging, but you can be hardcore, super into analytics uh, and baseball statistics and get something out of the book. You can be a baseball fan who just likes to watch and wants to learn more about defense and get something out of the book. There are player interviews, there's uh, notes on fun facts on every team. Uh, there's deep dives into the analytic data. We compare Matt Chapman and Nolan Arenado. We compare the shortstops to try and figure out who the best one is. Uh, there's lots of good stuff in there and I hope people will give it a chance. All right. Maybe uh Buck Showalter should pick this up. 
and learn learn a little bit about the new school baseball techniques. I, so I worked with Buck. Uh, I worked with Buck and uh, Baseball Tonight when he was at ESPN. And I will say this. I can't imagine someone who was more prepared uh, at the time uh, in, I guess, the prime of his managerial career. Um, it doesn't surprise me that I suppose that you guys have some resistance to him. Uh, but there's no one who knows the rule book better, I will tell you that. Uh, and he is amazing in terms of retention of information. And I think I think he's more open-minded than maybe you guys might give him credit for, but I'm not. that's not something I want to no, there's, there's still lots of love for Buck in Baltimore, as long as you don't bring up Zach Britton in the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone in Baltimore who doesn't love Buck Showalter. So yes. we're Buck Showalter fans here. Um, I want to get into this a little bit of the world. And, and you mentioned the shifts too, which is interesting because, and I don't have the numbers, but I, I feel like this is true that when, with the new regime, the Orioles have shifted a lot more Yes. yet, yet their defense last year was still the worst in baseball. Um, is, is there uh, first of all, how, when you talk about the Orioles bad defense last year, can, can you put this in perspective to, for us? Like how, how bad are we talking about here? Like how is there hope? Is it just, was it just a down year? And then how did the shifts, like, are you telling me without the shifts, we would have been even worse? Like how much do the shifts help a bad defense? <laughs> um, all right. So let's take those one at a time here. <laughs> um, first of all, yes, it's true. The Orioles in 2019, we, we call it defensive runs saved, but when it's negative, I guess it's defensive runs cost. <laughs> Uh, negative 95, uh, that ranked 30th. I guess that's not that surprising. The infield was negative 66. The outfield was negative 29. Um, 2018, negative 78. Negative 78, that ranked 28th. Um, that's not great, no. Um, <laughs> as far as shifting goes, yes, the volume of shifting definitely uh, increased uh, dramatically in the new regime. And I think you're going to see it continue to, to be a big part of what the Orioles do. But if you're going to shift, you also have to have the players that can defend in it. So for all the good positioning that you can do, if you, we, we have a way to, to evaluate, are you positioning your guys well or not? Um, you can do all the positioning you want, but if you have a first baseman who's minus 10 and a second baseman who's minus 12 and a, a third baseman who can't get to a ball down the line, you're you're not going to be a good defensive team uh, at all. You're, you're, and is there hope? Sure. The Phillies turned it around from like negative a hundred something to to fifty plus uh, the, in a uh, one year stretch, going eighteen to nineteen. So yeah, why not? Uh, although with the personnel you have, it's an uphill battle. Although I will say, uh, Jose Iglesias, good acquisition. Yeah, yeah, and I like that move because. Um, not not only are do you now have a, a, a good shortstop, but it's a huge upgrade, right? Because the guy yeah. you're replacing, Richie Martin, was clearly in over his head yep. um, his rookie year, which leads me to my next question. Uh, Richie Martin struggled last year defensively and offensively. Do you see, is there, as far as improvement, young players as they get older, this is more like a general question. Do you Are players able to take significant leaps in defensive runs saved? Or are you kind of who you are as a defensive player? I like that you asked that because I believe there's an article in the book that uh, that references that. There's a defensive aging curves uh, mm. article in the book that tells you, like, all right, where's the guy's peak? And I'm, I'm looking at it now, and it looks like you peak 
uh, as an infielder in your mid 20s. So if you're a young guy, uh, there's definitely room for growth. Uh, if you're a 21, 22 year old guy at the major league level and in over your head uh, as a rule five pick, mm-hmm. uh, there is hope. Uh, as I said, page 146 on the book in the book for those that, that want to purchase the book uh, has a nice uh, image that shows uh, what the aging curve looks like uh, for a player uh, on the defensive side. Um, and I would say, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule out that he could be a lot better over the, the course of his career. Uh, he, I, I guess he doesn't have anywhere to go but up at, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does, um, again, just look, if you look at the, the a more general question, and then I'll get into some more specific oral questions. We're improved at shortstop. Yep. Uh, this year with Iglesias. I think we're going to be improved in center field with Austin Hayes as opposed to last year throwing Stevie Wilkerson out there who wasn't even a center fielder. It was kind of an awkward position for him. But now we have Austin Hayes who presumably, I mean, he hasn't played a full year in the majors, but but he looks to be a better outfielder. Does Especially center field and shortstop. Does like, let's focus on center field. Yep. If a re- does a really good center fielder, can they make the defensive run saved stat better for a left fielder and a right fielder because that center fielder can cover more ground? I think that that's a fair comment. And we, we have done a lot of stuff with ball hogging, I guess, so to speak. Uh, but if you think about it, if if he's able to go an extra five feet uh, in either direction or go deep into the left center and right center field gaps to make plays, uh, that's big. That, that'll save your left fielder. That'll allow you to probably get some balls down the line that you weren't able to get. So if he's legit, yeah, center field can have a huge impact. You look at some of the center fielders uh, in our stat over the history of the stat, you look at like Kiermaier and the upper echelon guys. Those guys are up at 25, 30 runs saved a year in the the prime of their careers. Him, Byron Buxton. Can I make one other point on shortstop and Iglesias? Oh, yeah, please. Go ahead. I I was thinking about this. If you can go from bad and Richie Martin, negative 15, negative 20, to zero... Jose Iglesias, that's as good as going from like a zero to like a 20. Mm. It will look better to you guys. You will probably think, wow, he's like all world (laughs) last year. Uh, But it's a big jump. Like a 15-run jump is a big jump, whether it's from bad to average or average to really good. So you'll see it this year with Iglesias that they should be uh, better as long as they can get ground balls, uh, you know, where, where you can get them. Yeah, and I think that combined with Austin Hayes, a real center fielder, I think I think that those that thirtieth ranking will improve drastically uh, th- this next year. I mean, not going to be the best defensive team in baseball, <laughs> but I, I think we'll be yeah. be better. And I asked about Austin Hayes too because we could be looking at a situation in the outfield where we got Trey Mancini on one side and Ryan Mountcastle on the other side of the outfield, like two converted first basemen. So it could be ugly out there if we don't have at least someone who knows what they're doing in the outfield. Um, I noticed the stats on, to, to, to reference a specific player, Pedro Severino um, at catcher. Yep. I thought he was a good defensive catcher, but if you look at the numbers, apparently he is not as as good defensively as, as I initially thought. And on one hand, like it doesn't he's matter. He's pretty much the same as Richie not, Martin. What's that? He's pretty much the same as Richie Martin. I, on one hand, it doesn't matter because we have um, – uh, Adley Rushman coming, and so whatever Pedro Severino, you placeholder you. But what it what, like? What does defensive run save for a catcher? Um, what does that look like? Is like pitch framing is, is is or pitch receiving, whatever you want to call it. Is that part of it, 
Sure. What goes into like what makes Pedro Severino? What made him have a bad year last year? Sure, um, this is a, a good. I, I like to do these kinds of explanations. So for catchers, what you're looking at are a whole bunch of different things. We have a pitch framing metric which we call strike zone runs saved, um, which gives you an indication as to whether or not the guy is getting extra strikes for his pitchers or not. Our pitch framing metric is somewhat different from others because we factor in the umpire and the batter, uh, which is a cool kind of extra thing to, to add in. Uh, there are umpires that call bigger plates and smaller plates than other umpires. And if you have a, a catcher who has a really good framing ability with an umpire who calls a lot of strikes, boy, the pitcher strikes in is going to be gigantic mm. that day. Um, so that's one. We do pitch blocking. Uh, we actually record every pitch that's in the dirt uh, and any pitch, I think, essentially where a catcher would have to leap out to try and make a, a play. Um, and we, it's a yes or a no. Did he block the ball successfully and prevent an advance or did he not? Uh, and that's a, a part of the defensive run saved stat. We also have measures for bunts. Now in the American League, you don't see that many bunts. Uh, so that's not going to have a high, uh, particularly high impact. We have a measure for stolen bases. Not only did you throw guys out, but what was the volume that you allowed? Um, if you allowed a high volume of stolen bases, or if you were not successful at throwing guys out, but allowed a low volume of stolen bases, it's not going to hurt your team that much. So we've got that as a, as a stat. Then we have, uh, this is a, a, a kind of a, I, have a, I always have a hard time explaining this one. We have a stat where we compare each catcher with every pitcher on the team. And we essentially assess, was this pit catcher doing well with game calling? Like, did he have, let's say he, Severino had 15 starts with a pitcher and someone else had 15 starts with a pitcher. And he had a 2-5 ERA with uh, one guy and a 5 ERA with the other. We factor that in. Uh, and then the last thing would be just balls hit in front of the plate. Uh, was he able to get outs on those or was he not? The things that are the most impactful are the pitch framing and the pitch blocking. Pedro Severino, in both cases, rated considerably below average at both hmm. of those. Uh, and that is why he finished uh, at what we have, a negative 13 defensive runs saved. Uh, he, I, I don't have it in front of me, but if I had to guess, I would guess that his pitch blocking was in the bottom uh, quarter of the majors and his, his pitch framing was probably in the bottom quarter as well. Yeah, that was, thanks, Mark. That was a really good, clear explanation. And so all of those factors... Yep. Give you that total defensive runs saved or cost in yep. Severino's Well, and it, and it also shows the importance of Adley Rushman to the Orioles. Yep. Because not further, much further up the list is Chancisco at minus 11 defensive runs saved. Yeah, and so he's only minus 11 Orioles... probably because he didn't get more playing time, by yeah. the way. He would have been worse if he played more. Right, yeah, exactly. Like, think Mark, about it this way, too. Like, each yeah. of these things has has on a – individual moment level a very small value but you add them up over in severino's case 720 innings it adds up and the the cream rises to the top and the other stuff rises to the bottom so right. that, that, i guess sinks to the bottom so that, how much yeah how much should we as oriole fans we all want to praise that i mean he's the face of the organization right now on the field is trey mancini and he's doing well at the plate, but defensively we're sticking him in the outfield where it's a position he wasn't really raised to play. And he's at a minus eight total runs saved last year. Is that a concern for the Orioles or something that you end up 
minus eight, but then once you bring the bat into it, it makes up for it. So I, I think that's an important point. The defense, defense only matters so much uh, in this. Uh, a hitter can be responsible for, I don't know, over in, within a, the concept of something like wins above replacement. A guy's going to be 50 to, you know, the prime guys are going to be 40 to 50 over. They're going to have high offensive wars. Defense is a smaller component because you only get the ball hit you so often. You can survive a minus nine, certainly, if you're a good offensive player. Um, it's Should they be concerned? I don't think you should be concerned about anything, given the state of where the team is at this point. Um, I think you just kind of live with it and hope that he learns and gets better. It's kind of like Nick Castellanos is a good example of this, that Castellanos got better in right field as the more reps that he's gotten. Um, and maybe for Mancini, a similar kind of thing can happen for him. Yeah, and I had a similar question as Josh. I have a category of questions called kind of let's get stupid, the <laughs> where I ask kind of some some dumb questions. So here, and I, my question about Trey Mancini. So if you look at kind of runs created, is this fair to do? If you look at runs created stat, yep. he, he, he had 114 runs created last year, and he cost us nine. So can we say that he, he was plus 105? Is that a fair thing to do? Yeah, I, 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 yes, I think you have to take uh, like base running into account too, uh, but also uh, how much he played and there's a certain, the value of having him over a guy that you would have called up from AAA. So yeah, when, when we're, we were talking about just before, defense is only worth so much. Uh, a guy who is a very good hitter uh, and, and can make a significant impact like Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter by our system, right, it's, very poorly statistically at shortstop, but look at what he was as a hitter, and look at what he was, uh, what he, what else he brought to the Yankees in terms of leadership. Uh, I think that, uh, as I said, now that said, a great defensive player can have a huge impact, like a Matt Chapman or an Arenado or a Kiermaier or someone like that. Those are guys that can help turn franchises in a pretty good direction. So it would behoove the Orioles to get a player or two like that. Yeah, well, we had one, uh, Manny Machado, and then we lost him. Um, thanks for bringing that up. Sorry. So, even 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 a guy like Jonathan Scope, who was setting defensive records at second base, sure. lost him also. Yeah, let let me ask one more kind of um, kind of a similar question with the runs created. And so, if you take out like Richie Martin, yep, let's use the other extreme: twenty four runs created, the negative twelve, whatever, um, d- defensive runs. So. You're telling me this guy played, you know, whatever, 100, 120 games or whatever he played, and he accounted for 12 runs the entire season? <laughs> is, hate, is, that, is that how I that mean, works? I hate to break it to you. He shouldn't have been in the in the major leagues. <laughs> there, he's there as a rule. <clears throat> sorry. He's there as a rule five, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I think. And don't go back to AAA this year. I don't mean to pick on Richie Martin because right. he was in Orbit. No, but I that think- is the fun of the Orioles last year and this year is when they don't care about wins or losses, you yeah, get some you get stats like this. Yeah. Your hope is that two years from now he comes back and the negative 14 is a zero. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I mentioned Manny Machado. Can we talk about Manny Machado for, for, for a second? Yeah, he, I know he's not an Oriole, but um, I love you can't get over him. Yeah, you can't get over him. I, know. I can't get over him. Here's one thing I didn't understand, though, about his defensive runs saved for Manny Machado looking at shortstop compared to third base because he's the one guy or one of the guys where my eyeballs would say even at shortstop he's elite but his defensive run saved at shortstop 
is is much worse th- than it is at third base. How, how how why the difference between shortstop and third base for Manny Machado? Do you think? Um, well, we have a way to break uh, the, the stat into its component parts, uh, which for us means how good was he at getting balls moving to his right? How good was he at getting balls that were hit to his left? And how good was he at getting to balls straight up? And from what I can see, and I'm, I'm looking at the component parts, for Machado, 2018, when he played shortstop, he was negative 13 which I think goes to your, it's kind of yeah. hard to fathom for a guy that was 27 runs saved in 2013, who you watched over and over again, make fantastic play over fantastic play after fantastic play. The issue that it appears that he had was getting to balls up the middle, that there were an inordinate number of hits. I, my guess is they would be ground balls essentially over second base or just off uh, a little bit off of second base that he wasn't getting to. That's actually a similar uh, issue to what uh, I've, uh, to a number of other really good shortstops because they kind of cheat toward the shortstop third base hole, which he may have been doing. Um, but our stats do reflect uh, like positioning is taken out. So that's legit. Uh, now, again, with defensive stats, you do want to accumulate a good body of work over an extended period of time. And Machado before that, the year before, uh, the two years before, 2016, he had five defensive runs saved at shortstop. So he was clearly doing something right at that time. Um, He also, I would say, he hasn't been the same uh, the last couple of years. And I don't know if that's, um, like, there was a time where he's like an all-world, and now at third base, he's just kind of like, good. And he wasn't the hitter that he was last year either. Not, as I said, I don't know what was necessarily going on there. Uh, But um, yeah, it could just be part of a, a, an issue of skills uh, for him, although it shouldn't be, given given his age. And um, maybe you'll see a turnaround this year with the Padres. Yeah, yeah, it's just just interesting. And, I, and like, because with the Padres, and I don't watch them every day as closely, so I, especially Padres, 10, 10 o'clock Eastern time. I can't stand for that nonsense. Um, the <laughs> As far as the minors go, for because right now the Orioles are focused on the rebuild. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to ask about my, my, my league players, but as far as defensive runs saved and the kind of the stats available at the minor league level, are all the same data that you have at the major league uh, level available at the minor league level for teams? Uh, like, yes, uh, they are. We don't we don't often share them publicly. Uh, we track AAA and AA, and we've um, we've up to to cover some high a as well uh high a as well we don't um necessarily get every game but we get a large enough sample uh that i think you feel like you could at least try to make a judgment uh the one that i always point to with defensive runs saved for the minor leagues is that we were on matt chapman before matt chapman was matt chapman Mm. um he had really good numbers uh, at the minor league level. The other guy that we were high on recently was Scott Kingry with the Phillies. That ha- that one hasn't necessarily worked out as well for us, but we still have faith in him. Um, but yes, the, for teams, as I said before, we serve uh, more than 20 teams with data. Uh, there are teams that subscribe to that and that use that in their evaluations of players. Are the Orioles one of, one of those teams? Are you allowed to say that? <laughs> uh, I don't get into specifics. Uh, <laughs> okay. who's, who's a yes and who's no. Sorry. Yeah. And that's okay. Just kind of another kind of inside baseball question, yeah. if I may. And, and, you, and you don't have to answer any of these questions. I'm just asking. The So you guys, so they, they kind of like contract you out. Um, but 
So they're kind of dealing with the same data that the other 20 teams are, are dealing with. If they don't go to you, do they do it within, like as a team? Do you think they have a department that does this? Or do they contract it out with somebody else if they don't go to you? Yeah, there are a number of other companies that do this okay. sort of thing. Um, we go back to 2003, uh, which uh, I think gives us a pretty good track record. Uh, nothing against the other places that uh, that do stuff. These teams are also getting a lot from Statcast, uh, certainly. And right. the new technologies like the TrackMan and um, things like Kinetrax and all the different, uh, I guess, um, body biomechanical uh, evaluation tools that now exist that go beyond uh, what we do that allow you to change pitches or um, or change your swing to become a more productive player. Uh, but I would say every team's analytics department is pretty sophisticated at this point uh, because I think those that were behind uh, realized that they had to play catch up. Right. Yeah. So as you we have. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, we, we've got at least three people now in for the Orioles that oh, do stop analytics. It. We got a department now. We didn't have that before. <laughs> I would, we had a department. It was a one person. You, you, they hired good people. They hired yeah. people with, or I should say, they hired people with very good track records. So, because um, I don't, I don't necessarily know the people. They hired people <laughs> with very good track records in this area, uh, and starting essentially with the general manager. Um, and they're gonna. It, they realize that it's gonna take three, four years of this to yeah. get to essentially that. Right. Yeah. Are you seeing fans as well more interested in these stats? And it's changing the way kind of how fans are uh, watching baseball, how TV is broadcasting baseball. Uh, someone was telling me today that it's even creeping into fantasy baseball. These type oh, of stats. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in our uh, last two years, our Twitter has gone from three thousand to thirteen thousand, uh, or I think seventeen thousand in terms of followers. So yeah, I, th- I think people are very much interested in this type of uh, information. ESPN um, works with Statcast and does a couple of broadcasts a year. Uh, on ESPN2 that, that are kind of running simultaneous to the actual game. They've done it for the playoffs uh, the last couple of years where they have Eduardo Perez, they have Jason Benetti, who's the White Sox announcer, and they have Mike Petriello from MLB, and they do an entire broadcast of the wildcard game uh, yeah. focused on analytics, and it's an excellent broadcast. That's and I'm cool. biased. I, work, I used to work there. I, used, I know those people, um, and I I... I am impressed with how far it's come at that level. Uh, we actually provide a service too to a couple of different broadcast crews where I write uh, notes um, for them, like uh, paragraph chunks that maybe they'll get like 10 of them for a game and they'll say them on the air and they'll bring them up and they'll use them as discussion points. So I think it's it's very much uh, becoming a part of the mainstream these days. Yeah, so cool. so when we see people this uh, year talk about Hanser Alberto and how he handled the double play last year, <laughs> that's coming from you. Yes. Do we, do we want to quote that stat? Yeah. Can, can you talk about that? About that Hanser Alberto stat with turning double plays? All right. So I want to preface this. This stat probably sounds a little better than it is. Hanser Alberto last year uh, converted – 62 of 72 double play opportunities as a second baseman. The highest conversion rate for any second baseman in the time for which we have tracked the data, which is since 2003. That sounds good. Good for him that he was able to do that when it happened. Two things with that. 
one, there must have been a lot of guys on base. Uh, <laughs> and two, it only is considering balls that he got to or was the real A-man. So Hunter Alberto could have missed a ball, and it's not factored into that. This is only, you had the shot at the double play, it was in your grasp, did you get it? And in Hunter Alberto's case, much more often than not, like a good free throw shooter, uh, he was able to convert. Uh, and good for him, impressive. Yeah, that right, is so impressive. Then, Go ahead, Josh. So that would also take into account the first baseman and if he can grab the ball. Right, oh, absolutely. So, so a guy that can drop, uh, which might, you know, when we when we just want to trash Chris Davis all the time, maybe it's something we can look at because we do see Jonathan Scope on the list of highest ever, and then this year Hanser Alberto. Well, so, and the funny thing about Hanser Alberto is offensively too, his hitting against left also was like this is insane. Like this shouldn't he shouldn't be hitting three ninety against against any? I don't care what arm you're throwing with. He shouldn't be hitting three ninety, but somehow he seemed to always swing it when the first two pitches and get a hit. And so it makes sense that somehow he's always in the right spot, at the right time to turn these double plays. So just it's going, just it's it's more in this kind of banner year for Hans Alberto. He's interesting though defensively because this year they're talking about putting him at second, at short, at third, whatever. Um, is he is Hans Alberto? He, is he a good defensive player? Well, um, he's better than a lot of, <laughs> of the other guys that you've had. Um, yeah. He finished with two defensive runs saved at second base in 2019. And turning those double plays is part of that. Is yes. part of that that equation? Yeah. So, um, so I should I should note for the converting 62 of 72, he got five runs saved uh, related to double plays. So okay. he was considerably above average there. I guess the problem is though that he went from five good yeah. to two. So. Yes. The rest of his game, not as good. But again, and as, as I said this before I, I came on, this this was going to be the toughest one to do because there's not a lot of positive there. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was below average, um, but not horrible. But not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it, it could have been worse. Uh, yeah, that's good. I guess I guess that encouraged. I don't know. I guess, I mean, the, the encouraging thing here is that these are all, for the most part, placeholders. Um, and in our minors, it seems like we have – better defensive players in our minors that would be coming up to replace these placeholders. I mean, these are guys that we literally last year, Hans Arberto, we picked off waivers, I think three times before he finally stuck, <laughs> right? These are our placeholders. Um, I wanted to get to one other, one other thing here. Um, I, I just wanted this real quick. Josh, uh, he sidetracked the conversation, asked about Trey Mancini. We were talking about catching. Um, so Josh ruined my interview again. Yeah, uh, right. No, just, right. man as 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 catcher, it's not going to work. Um, Mark, what are your thoughts on? Because you mentioned part of that is pitch framing, where you get defensive runs saved for catchers. Yep. What are your thoughts on robot umps and how that might impact um, the importance of catchers? All right, so it's gonna. It is essentially going to knock that part of the equation out, which is going to hurt the guys that are elite, and the, and also it's going to help the guys that are really poor. Uh, but it's going to hurt. Uh, Austin Hedges in San Diego, uh, which who is someone that maybe you might not get to see uh, as much. Or Roberto Perez in Cleveland is another uh, is a good example. Yeah, sure. Not someone that you would get to see. Um, I think the impact on the game is very much wait and see. And I think what will be interesting is that there will be a lot of unexpected strikes. Uh, and I'm talking hundreds and hundreds uh, over the course of a season that there will be um, because 
everyone's uh, like you've you've everyone's eye is so trained as to what the umpire strike zones typically are that if you go by the letter of the law and what the robot box shows you, uh, you're going to get some calls where batters are probably going to be annoyed and pitchers are probably going to be annoyed. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see it both ways. But it will take that aspect out of the game. It will probably cost some guys some jobs. Are, are you a fan? Do, do you think baseball should head in that direction? <sighs> I I would uh, – all right. Um, I guess separate personal from company because I don't know where the, what the company Yeah, is. I'm sorry. This is going a little off track, but no, I was just, was just curious about your opinion. Personally – I worry that the technology for now could have glitches, but uh, we have a good relationship with Major League Baseball and BAM and put put our faith in them. Um, I just worry that at a really important spot that it could be as fallible as a human umpire, even though that that's not the the intended situation. I hope that it isn't. I hope that it works out well. Um, I don't know, though. As I said, uh, speaking fan as opposed to necessarily i guess company yeah i think that i think people should be like very much kind of throw up your hands and say i don't know yeah yeah i think because you're right it's a good point right because we often bring technology into sports to make it more objective but it never really does like (laughs) there's always debate surrounding that technology like it's never that simple that cut and dry yep that's a good point um all right well uh mark we appreciate you spending some time is there anything um, that we didn't touch on as far as the Orioles go that you wanted to say about an individual player, about the team as a whole? Uh, n- not really. Can I give another plug for our uh, website and Twitter? And yeah. All that stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, uh, follow my, Mark on Twitter, Mark A. Simon Says. Check out the fieldandbible.com because I've been playing on that. You can click on Orioles and you can get see really how bad the Orioles are. <laughs> um it's a very it's a great website to really look and uh, help you understand where your misery has came from the past couple of years. The numbers are also available on Fangraphs and Baseball Reference if those are your okay. sites. All right, and then get the Field and Bible Volume Five, which is available now. And according to Mark Simon's Twitter, if you buy it, he will write you a poem about your favorite player. <laughs> yeah. So what player are you going to make him write a poem about, Matt? Oh. <laughs> You better find something that rhymes Adley Rushman. Okay, that's Hoyles. <laughs> we have a Chris Hoyles or a um, let's see, classic Orioles like a Scott McGregor or a. a uh, nah, see, uh, you're going with easy ones. It's easy to rhyme something with Ripken. <laughs> Let, let's find something that you can rhyme with Rushman. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's a rich history of Orioles baseball. Right? There's a lot of classic names uh, that, that 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 we could throw out there. And you mentioned right. Chris Orioles. Uh, yeah, well, we go with Mike Devereaux uh, out there in center yeah. field, back a real set yeah. center fielder. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'll stay away from any Jeffrey Mayer references. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. That's an awkward way to about, end the interview. Yeah. Tony Tarasco sitting there <laughs> still waiting for it. Right, right. Exactly. Let's, let's go with the Tarasco poem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Josh, when we do the final cuts for the for the podcast, can you cut that part out when you mention Josh? Yeah, I know. Now, now it's all awkward. Right, Mark. Yeah, it's one thing to talk about how bad we are defensively, all right? But that's, uh, we don't need to get in judgment yeah. there. That's, that's too far. Right. <laughs> all right, Mark. Thanks for joining us on Section 336. And uh, we'll talk again soon. You got yeah, it. Yeah, it's Thanks. fun, man. All right, so Matt, did 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 Mark convince you that like all this fielding stuff is? Have you gone to defensivebible.com uh, and looked at any of this stuff? 
Yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah. I, 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 I think defensive runs is one of those stats where sometimes the up and down nature of it makes me a little bit nervous. But like he said, it's over what you do over the course of the year. And I think, I mean, we ranked 30th last year in defensive runs saved. And I, I yeah. mentioned this on there with, with the interview. I do think just the addition of Iglesias and uh, Austin Hayes up the middle for us. And eventually when Rushman gets up there, that up the middle will, will be strong. So I think we're going to be, I, I predict if I was a betting man, I would say we get into, uh, you know, maybe maybe 22nd, 21st. I would hope. Defensive run saved. I would hope because if you if you go on uh, fieldandbible.com and look, the Orioles did not have many people that were even positive. Yeah, yeah. I think we had maybe Santander, which is like good for him for Santander getting on the on the positive list. Uh, yeah, maybe one other guy. Uh, I think Hans Arberto was was positive. Yeah, um, a lot yeah. of a lot of zeros and a lot of uh, a lot of negative. Even worse, a lot of a lot of negative. Yeah, a lot of and, negative. and the best teams. If you look at the rankings as far as Major League Baseball, the best teams have good defenses, and the worst teams uh, have the worst defenses. That's kind of how it works. Yep. So, um, speaking about defenses, what's happened to the Terps? What, what, what are you, a Terps podcast now? No, I'm just asking you. I know you watch the Terps. We text about the Terps. Yeah. Do you think, do you think they're going to do anything in, in, uh, with all this? Or do you think I, they're done? I think there's no way well, to know. I think, in a way, in a row. I think every game I feel like is a coin flip. I have no idea. I mean, there's no shame in losing to a, uh, you know, an Izzo uh, Michigan State team at the end of February, beginning of March. Like, there's no shame in losing that game because um, Izzo, you know, always coaches his guys up. Um, uh, Turgeon makes me nervous. He always made me nervous. But I think we have two of the best basketball players out there in Jalen Smith and Cowan. So I think – um, I mean, but it's been it's one of those leagues of college basketball where we see top five teams, top ten teams lose every single week. So it's right. going to be kind of a wide open to- tournament. So I'm pumped in a couple of weeks to do my reading of the tournament bracket on here. Exactly, and, and I'll have Maryland going pretty far. Uh, I mean, so I'm optimistic about the team. It's going to have to be. I mean, this is the last week of regular season college basketball. When's the Big Ten tournament? Is that next week? I think next week. March 11th. All right, yeah, next Wednesday. I mean, they're going to have to do pretty good there to get a good placement when you do your reading. But did you see this story from the National College Players Association where they're asking the NCAA to hold upcoming March Madness tournament games without fans to protect the athletes from contracting and spreading the coronavirus? Now we already saw that baseball games in Japan are going to play be played without fans because of the coronavirus. Oh, I didn't know that because all all I heard was the Olympics will still go on, um, but is that I didn't know that they're, they're not playing they're playing games without fans in Japan right now. That's what someone. That's what yeah. I think that I think Dad was telling me that. Okay. So now now we're seeing this suggestion. I don't know how are how's like your school and all handling the coronavirus. It seems like news agencies love the coronavirus. Because it's a huge story that they can keep talking and hype people up, kind of like a snowstorm. But how's yeah, like your school and stuff handling it? Yeah, I guess it's one of those things too, where people react to snowstorms differently, right? Like some people go to the grocery store, running around the aisles, you know, filling their car with Mountain Dew and toilet paper. Have you um, have you talked to Robin in Hawaii? They've no. got a big thing where people are hoarding toilet paper in Hawaii right now. Oh, really? Yeah, so you can't find toilet paper at the store. Okay, I can tell her some nice plants that can use when you can't find toilet paper. I've been there. But no, I'm I'm not as I mean, 
I, I mean, I think it's good to be cautious, right? Because I think the thing is, you, you don't know. And it's weird that they would say that now when you don't know where we're going to be with this, with in three this weeks. whole thing in three weeks. Because yeah. it seems to be updates every day, right? And and it could, like, I mean, I think everyone now is kind of a wait and see mode and just hope it doesn't spread any more that, than it has. Right. But kind of also being aware that it could, an outbreak could happen like it's happened in these other countries. Um, but no, there's been no talk about like shutting school down or anything like that. Um, and there hasn't been enough cases, I think, to really warrant right. that discussion. But does Maryland, who does knows? Maryland have any cases yet? Florida uh, just I, had their second, I believe. I, I, I heard of one case, but I'm, and again, I'm not sure how reliable that was, though. It's just someone said right. it. I don't, I don't know. I haven't checked up on it. Gotcha. Uh, I did this week book my flight to fly home with Southwest for opening day. So you better hope they're fans there. So huh. Hopefully uh, hopefully they allow us to go to the game for opening day and hopefully the, the flight and all is good. Yeah. And all that. Are so, you nervous about taking the flight? No, I don't Because that's care. like, a, you know. It's, it's not a cruise ship. It's a cruise ship, air. A cruise yeah. ship is, is a death wish right yeah, now, whatever. I think. No, I stay away from the so, cruise ships. But, Even uh, planes, though, would make me a little bit nervous. I don't care. I'm not the, the you know what the regular flu makes me more nervous uh, right. than than the corona virus. Right. Even if it has a, di- a higher death rate than the regular flu. Yeah, it's got a higher death rate, but it's also got a higher percentage of you might have it and not even show symptoms. Right. Whatever that means, I don't know. Who knows? I'm no doctor. I, I don't believe China and whatever they say. So I'll just wait until we have some better stats here in America, and then we can figure it all out. Yeah. Mike Pence is on it. Don't worry. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's all right, because we got a doctor in the White House. Ben Carson's fixing, like, the housing issue or something. Yeah, just call him over. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, this is great, Josh. We've talked about not only did we do something we don't normally do, we got a guy here talk about defensive runs saved and the a- analytics, but we also talked about Bernie Sanders, Klobuchar. That's right. Um, Mike Pence. This is the most politics we've t- talk we've done on here um, forever. Are you playing? Have you been playing the music? Because again, I hear you nothing. Do. I just started it, and I figured out why you're not hearing it. Why is that? But yeah, it's playing right now, so you, you can uh, close the show out with our. We, I think we got our fill of political talk. All right, you can follow us for more of my political hot takes at section three three six. You can also follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Hiroka. and you can tweet at Bert. On Atbert Rohde. Yeah, go ahead, Atbert Rohde, and send him a nice little tweet. Nice little tweet. Oh, uh, follow. Uh, hold on, I should have been more prepared with this. But I want to thank our new artwork is done by Clubhouse Art. So follow, give Clubhouse Art on Twitter a follow. He he did great work. Uh, yeah, not just artwork. Other of, stuff. Other uh, stuff like oral players. He does it. He's he's talented. Yeah, the whole reason I got to know him is because he does awesome photos of drawings of Orioles and Raven players. That basically, like, it. I don't know why this is not Adley Rushman's profile picture on Twitter. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and give him a follow too. Yeah. All right. Give everyone a follow. All right. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go O's.
Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes out to iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.